What do we do when we find ourselves up against the many leadership challenges that exist within our chosen careers? We all have goals and achievements that we would like to accomplish. Unfortunately, these desires don't come equipped with insight or awareness on how to bring these accomplishments to light. In essence, this is why the Dream Octane Niche Finder Framework was formed. Our founder, Clifton C. Manning, spent the first 17 of his 20-year career in healthcare working with physicians and healthcare leaders to achieve patient-centric goals while possessing only an associate's degree in applied science. At times, these challenges were daunting, and he felt unqualified to achieve the success he wanted. However, he focused on becoming intentional in reading every leadership book that he could find, as well as attending frequent seminars in areas where he saw opportunities to improve. Over time, as he applied insights gained from these various sources, he was able to successfully and efficiently cross the hurdles he found himself up against. Eventually, varying degrees of success within his sphere of leadership influence became more evident. The Niche Finder podcast is intended to bring similar insight to you, the listener, from those who have achieved some level of noteworthy success in their chosen career. Our hope is that the challenges they have overcome in the past will provide insight for your current leadership struggles and unlock the dream of achieving success in your own career. We believe that if innovative change is an engine, your unique dreams and abilities could be its fuel. And now I present to you the host of the Niche Finder podcast, Clifton C. Manning. Well, welcome to this episode of the Niche Finder Framework. Very excited, very, very, very excited to have on a show today, Tanisha Nichols. Just to give you a really quick snapshot of what she's all about. She works currently for WBLS and Hot 97. She is the director of healthcare marketing and business development. You know, that is coming by way of being a part of the Forbes Business Development Council. You know, this is by invitation only. And then she, even before that, she was a manager of business development for a medical holding company called Prospect. Along the way, she also dabbled in uh, a self-employed marketing uh, consulting company as an entrepreneur, had marketing and public relations uh, as part of her background as she was working for another consulting uh, company. And now there's other leadership that's that's inside of there. But and to help us unpack this, why don't we bring on a guest that we have on today? <laughs> well, <laughs> when you person. say that stuff out loud, I sound impressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? The secret is, is because you are. <laughs> that's, the, that's the secret to it. And so, you know, we just want to welcome to the Niche Finder podcast today. A very special guest, again, Tanisha Nichols uh, coming uh, to us and representing uh, her current job in WBLS and Hot 97. Want to make her feel welcome. Welcome to the program, Tony. Thank you for having me. Big man doing big things. I'm honored. <laughs> hey, look, I learned about watching you, Tony. <laughs> no, look, I, I really appreciate, you know, you taking time out. Uh, I know one thing, uh, although I'm just learning about your current job, I remember seeing you um, and may may not even notice, but I, I always saw inside of you, you've just been a hard worker. You've been a, a very talented person and you kind of coupled, in my opinion, uh, someone who can be talented and make it on talent, but yet you had this uh, tenacity about you where you can also see that you, you wanted to give it just as much effort as, as talent that I thought that you had. And I think that's a pretty, uh, you know, dangerous combination, especially if somebody's competing up against you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it goes back to my upbringing. Um, when I was younger, I just, 
I came from a single parent household, uh, raised by a single mother, um, and she was an immigrant. So when you put that together, I grew up watching hard work. So to me, have you? Do you remember that uh, Living Color skit where uh, the Jamaicans have like multiple jobs? Oh yeah, like <laughs> that's the story of my life right there. <laughs> so that's basically what I grew up seeing. So I'm just doing what I saw. <laughs> All right. So that kind of dovetails really nicely into the very first question that we have for you is uh, why? Why would the audience have a vested interest in your journey? Well, first and foremost, it's because I'm a friend of Cliff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you get no body voice for that. <laughs> I'm, I'm famous by association. Um, <laughs> but uh, so again, my. Uh, very humble beginning, single mother um, from another country. She came to this country with um, $15 in her pocket. Um, and then suddenly she was with two children all by herself. So there was a struggle uh, at the very beginning. There's always been a struggle. But the one thing that I absolutely adore my mother for, she impressed upon us at a very early age the importance of education. So no matter what we did, like, schoolwork came first everything else was secondary and it's because she learned through being a nanny for wealthy families she learned how important it was and that education was really the best vehicle to get out of poverty and at that time we were we were in poverty um so i went to college when i was 15 years old thanks to my mother <laughs> and wow. her pushing me hard um, and when I came out of college, I just sort of, I was working all the way through college. I believe I had like two jobs. Hmm. Um, so that's where that, that reference <laughs> to, wow. you know, foreigners having multiple jobs comes from. Um, and when I went to college, I was used to working so much that it made sense for me to immediately start working. Um, from there, I went on to um, intern at Igami Consulting, which was the diversity partner of MSNL, which is their big deal when it comes to marketing. Um, and I, I learned a lot, like my eyes really got opened. Uh, so let me wrap this up. <laughs> From there, I went to uh, Macy's where I was a sales executive at a very young age. Um, and after Macy's, I decided I want to be an entrepreneur like this working for other people doesn't work for me. So I really wanted to utilize the skills that I had and the the information and the contacts that I had built and get out on my own two feet and basically make an empire for myself. Uh, a few months. Well, actually, it was a little over a year into having my own consulting company, which you referenced. Uh, I got hospitalized for something quite serious. So I was released from the hospital and I found that I suddenly had a lot of medical debt. Because I had been in the hospital, I lost everything. I lost uh, my business, the things I was working on. I just lost everything. And suddenly I found myself on public assistance and that was, to me, like the most embarrassing thing that had ever happened to me. The fact that my mother was taking care of two children and still found a way to avoid public assistance. But yet here I was, who was supposed to be better. Um, and I was I was on Medicaid. I had to have public assistance just to 
to make it. So when I hit that low point, I decided um, what I was seeing with Medicaid really didn't sit well with me. The quality of care was absent. So I decided to go to my community hospital and become a mental health advocate. Now, this is all while I'm unemployed. So I had to do something. I had to get out there. I had to help somebody. So I became a mental health advocate. And somehow my resume got to the new hospital owners. And they saw my background in marketing and sales. And they recruited me for business development. So that was a hell of a learning curve because I had no healthcare experience whatsoever. Um, And... I somehow figured it out. It was through a lot of hard work, a lot of asking for for help uh, from people who had the expertise. And then from the hospital, um, an amazing classmate of ours saw something in me in class Mm. and recruited me to Hot 97 and WBLS to build a healthcare vertical. Wow. So I hope I wasn't too... I didn't give too much. <laughs> no, I love it. You know, here I am here. And it feels like I only read the first page of the chat of this of this chapter of your life. And, and uh, I, I thought that if somebody asked me about Tanisha, I can tell them a little bit. But but now that you shared all of that stuff, I'm like, wow, it's a lot that I we, we, we probably need to do lunch more. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I love it. I love the fact that your journey had so much, you know, peaks and valleys to it. And um and 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 then your effort, you know, the fact that you were giving to your local community, um, and I remember where where you were working at the time, it was in an urban community, and and for that, it really was something that brought you to a whole nother level. Uh, now I do remember you having your surgery, and I remember you uh, still grinding through, yes. and, you know, still grinding through. <laughs> first um, week, week in residence week. of our executive <laughs> MBA, I had like a, a brace on, and I had just had surgery like the week before. Wow, so. <laughs> that 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 I think that was the start of me noticing that there was something definitely uh, special about you from a resilience standpoint. You know, because I, I, I didn't know the extent of what your surgery was. I just I could tell that there was something that was serious. Yeah. And uh, but you still on top of that, you still are in class. And we, we were in class from like, you know, eight, eight thirty in the morning until 9 p.m. at night. for yeah. a week. And oh. so and you were still you was there right in the front of class, still participating, <laughs> doing all of that thing. You know, so really spoke to that. You know it what? Was, I, what? I, it was the Tylenol. That, that was the Tylenol. <laughs> it was medication. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> um, so that kind of tells me. I, I hear there's a couple of questions that I could have asked that it sounds like it was already enveloped in some of the what you were talking about in your journey. So we got an understanding of, of of why the audience will be vested or have a vested interest in your journey. Um, now, part of the thing on this niche finder podcast is that we interview experts. And we get the experts to tell us, okay, like, what did you learn from the very beginning that can possibly bring you from that very beginning to where you are right now? So, like, kind of like the secrets that accelerate your success. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but I find it interesting that you wanted the first guest that we had on here who actually was responsible for designing a niche, right? Like, so this vertical integration really in and of itself is, 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 is a niche in and of itself that they're looking for you to, to utilize, right? No? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, so I was brought in to build a vertical and that's basically start from scratch and build, build something from nothing. And it sounds 
a lot more intimidating that it really, than it really is. And the beauty is that I had a lot of practice at the hospital because that was the hospital had gone bankrupt and I had to rebrand the hospital, which it didn't have the best, uh, the, the best reputation. Um, and I had to bring it back from, from bankruptcy. Mm. Um, yeah, no pressure. So (laughs) that basically was really the training ground for what I was recruited to do here at WBLS and hot 97. And so in your current job, uh, right now, your current responsibilities, um, what do you find yourself um, as you're doing? Do you find that you have uh, let's not just focus on your current job, but just in your journey of going from where you started to where you are now? What type of external struggles did you find yourself up against? Oh, Lord. (laughs) What external struggles didn't I find myself up against? (laughs) So a lot of the external struggles, like I said, was losing everything, just not having the funds um, to basically take care of myself. Um, And there were a lot of people in the way that just couldn't understand how I could come from the environment that I came from and how I would be successful. So I also had naysayers around me um, and some of the other external struggles that I dealt with were just being in environments that weren't as receptive to my ideas as they should have been. Um, And that slowed my progress considerably. Hmm. What plans did you create to achieve your desired goal? So I always start with the uh, with the goal in mind. I kind of work my way backward. Uh, and the plans that I, I made, like, you're not, I don't know how you're going to take this, but <laughs> my plan is for the most part, keep the goal in mind and wing it. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like once you start to trust your instincts, you you realize that there is no point in making a plan. Every time in my life, Cliff, that I've ever made a plan, everything goes in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. So I decided this is where I want to be. This is the goal that I have in mind. And that's a non-negotiable. Like either way, I'm getting there. So now it's what little moves can I make along the way and what opportunities do I uncover that I can take advantage of? Hmm. So I, I kind of hear what you're saying right now is that you have a destination in mind, but the finer details, like almost like how you get there, uh, you leave that to your instinct. Is that is that is that correct? Yes. Um, what what epiphany did you have in this experience and, and what a new opportunity did that, did that discovery um, bring to you? So the epiphany that I had through my trials and tribulations was that um I still had a lot of influence from my childhood. My mother was amazing, but she was the type of mom that if I brought home a 98 on a test, she would say, well, why didn't you get a hundred? So, uh, unintentionally it created this obsession with perfection. Mm. And that obsession has been, uh, one of the things that I battle against even now. Because you get so obsessed with being perfect and getting everything right the first time that you tend to forget that you can't win until you fail a couple of times, mm. you know, and that's just how it's going to be. And you need that journey and those failures to really learn from it. Once you learn from it, it's not a failure anymore. Mm. 
So that was the internal struggle that I constantly had, like this need to be perfect. And then reminding myself, there's no such thing as perfection. It's progress. Mm. Uh, you know, there was a story that I read in a book called Our Art and Fear. I think I think I may have sh- shared this before on a podcast, but uh, it's so apropos for what you're saying right now. And basically, this professor in the book divided up his uh, ceramics class into uh, Group A and Group B. At Group A, um, if memory serves me correctly, they were being judged or they would receive a grade at the end of the semester um, for the perfect pot. And so this pot, they can only make one, but it had to be perfect. And then group B now, they had to design as many pots as they possibly could. And they received a grade on the sheer weight of uh, the number of pots. So I'm making this up now. If they had 50 pounds of pottery, they get they get an A. If they have 40 pounds of B and so on. Mm -hmm. At the end of the semester you know the, the the grades were given out and you know they both received decent grades because they did the assignment but then when you look to see who had the perfect pot who do you believe had that was it group a the one that was tasked with making a perfect pot they can only make one and they can do as much research as they want to get that one or was it group b the one that had to do the poundage the b Okay, and you're absolutely right. That's exactly what he says for the point that you're making, which is you kind of iterate your way until you get to a point where you have some a refined product because you've been doing it over and over Mm -hmm. and over and over again. And I can tell you from being a group member (laughs) to Justice (laughs) Justice League, (laughs) I, I remember what I loved about our group was the art of writing and, and you know I'm, I'm a writer i just I, I obviously i love to write but what i loved about the group was is the way that uh the team and you know just beat uh, an assignment to death so we started out with the hot mess version and then it got it got <laughs> a little <laughs> then it got and a little cleaner nerve to name it hot mess <laughs> <laughs> and then it got a little cleaner and we just kept beating that thing up and i and i think that is so it's so indicative of how 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 we go through life and and those people who make it there's something about being resilient and being able to just iterate our way to to the point that we feel like you know whatever success is for us um so i i hear that in what you're saying yeah i mean you've got to jump in you're going to waste a lot of time trying to be perfect so long as you do the qualitative and the quantitative research and you have the instincts behind it chances are you're going to be successful and you're going to hit some hiccups along the way. You may have something that uh, happens that you're very disappointed. But at the end of the day, it's just like you said, you got to figure it out by doing it. Mm. So, I, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the other day I had uh, actually Lubna on on the other day. And I found it so interesting how she went. She had a uh, neuroscience background and she she's now doing some things with fashion. And she's also executive coaching. Like there's a number of things that's going on. I look at your resume and I see Pace University. You uh, had a bachelor's in, in molecular biology. And then you went into marketing. Uh, and then somehow you kind of you know, it, it wrapped its way back into healthcare. And you, you can you, say. Say it, Cliff. My resume makes no sense. <laughs> well, no, but there's there is no, but there is some sense of like yes. there is an order there, right? There is and an it's order. It's just there. completely accidental. 
<laughs> or some may say it's destiny. Maybe maybe what you would try to get away from or you started out with uh, has had to do with science and then you went to marketing and now you're doing both marketing and, and healthcare, which is a science, right? Or art. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because when my... Um when they came to me and told me about this opportunity at Hot 97 and WBLS, I was very confused. And Cliff, I looked at her like, you know, I'm in healthcare, right? You know, I work at a hospital, <laughs> but like, what am I going to do for Hot 97 and WBLS? And it was just such a strange thought to me. And they're like, no, we're creating this position and everything that we're creating this position for you have experience with. So in some weird, strange way, all of my experiences had made me perfect for this opportunity. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm a firm believer that sometimes when you get these opportunities, it, you may not feel ready for it, but it doesn't mean that you're not made for it. You know what I mean? Like you just got to just go for it. Like you saying, just jump into it. Mm-hmm. I do want to ask you. I do want to ask you in this next segment. Now we kind of understand and got a little taste of what your journey is. I call this the 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 niche, the niche section, right? And so, uh, in my estimation, in my book Dream Octane, there are five key factors that I find. No matter how many articles I read or books that reference finding or having a niche, right, or going after a niche, there are typically five things or five categories. The first one is, you know, what are your passions? Second one is, uh, what what do you do that feels purposeful? The third one is, uh, uh, what are your patterns? This is the things that you do naturally well. The fourth one is proficiency. Proficiency is like patterns, where where patterns are what you do naturally well. Proficiency That's instinct. Is, right. And then and proficiency is what you've learned to do well over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one is problem solving. So th- that's pretty much the category. I want to go through each one. I want to get you to insert the answers to your journey or from your journey in here right so how about we Mm -hmm. start with the first one uh what do you do that feels uh that you feel you have a strong interest in or what are your passions so my passion is strategy um and marketing so basically i like to marry the two i found that when i was at the hospital marketing was just sort of an extension of my my job and eventually came became one of my responsibilities But just as equally was my interest in, okay, what's the strategy behind us rebranding this hospital and bringing it from bankruptcy into uh, a flourishing hospital? And just that that interaction with everyone at the hospital, with the community, um, doing the research, figuring out what our competitors were doing, all of that entire process really helped make me uh, more aware of what our messaging had to be from a marketing point of view, how we had to get out in front of the community. And it also helped me with the strategy. Let's go have a conversation with um, all of the potential referral sources within a 25 mile radius because they may not know we're still here and we have to let them know that we're still here. So I'm passionate about joining uh, marketing to strategy. And I, and I saw in, in your resume um, that you had, what was it, inpatient volumes uh, went up to 68% and then your, your referrals were like 20 plus percent increase in this time and the time which you implemented the strategy you just mentioned. Is that correct? Yeah. So it took me, um, <laughs> it took four years, um, which a lot of people say that's not a long time considering you came from bankruptcy. Mm. But I remember when I had first started, we had a census um, of maybe 40 to 60 um, on a good report. And for 
I keep using healthcare terminology. So a census is basically the amount of people that are in your hospital inpatient. And we were a 211-bed facility. And we only had 40 to 60 people in the hospital at any time. So as you can see, it wasn't much keeping the lights on. By the time I left the hospital, we, in some cases, had so many people coming through our ER and so many patients that we had to refer them to other facilities, which is a good problem to have. Right. Wow. Uh, So so that's amazing. So uh, that kind of really rolls into the next question, possibly. Uh, What do you do that feels purposeful? When I am able to build something from scratch, when I'm able to turn around something and defy everyone's expectations, I get excited when people don't believe I can do something. Mm. And those are the people that I'm most grateful to in my life. (laughs) Because it just, it flips a switch in me and I go, oh, that's what you think? All right, we gonna see today. All right. Right. (laughs) And then it's just like, I have to prove them wrong. So every time that I'm the underdog and I'm able to turn it around and have success, that's basically what I find purpose in. Mm. Love it. What do you do naturally well? What are your patterns? So my pattern is really sitting down and establishing what my short-term and long-term goals are. Mm. So every morning I wake up, I think about... Um, what can I do today that future me is going to be grateful for? Mm. You know, so that's my pattern. Always having the right mindset, getting yourself in the right headspace, surrounding yourself, uh, yourself with people that um, add to that and, and sort of elevate you. That's, that's basically what I do well. Mm. What, what activities have you learned to do well over time? What are your proficiencies? So I'm, I'm very analytical, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I want to be behind a desk only looking at numbers. So I've learned that sometimes it's unavoidable. And because of that, you, you have to go through the minutia. Like you, you have to be okay with it to get it done. Because there are all of us, like there are certain parts of our jobs that we love, but the the parts that we don't like so much still need to get done. Um, so I've learned to think of it as another step toward getting to my ultimate goal so that I can actually get it done. Hmm. And then the last question I have for you in the niche section, uh, what problems do you solve or, or what challenges do people normally come to you to correct? I can't figure this out. That's a challenge. (laughs) Like a very, very broad, we can't figure this out. You do something about it. So um, the problems that I tend to solve are, are basically like, what is going wrong with the business? What are the gaps in our strategy? And how do we fix it? So when like my clients, my healthcare clients that come to me um, at Hot 97 and WBLS, they come with a very clear problem. Well, sometimes it's not very clear and then I have to clarify it while, you know, speaking to them. But it's really identifying what their their problem is, what's keeping them up at night um, and figuring out, okay, based on the demographic that you're trying to attract, this is what we know works. And these are the strategies that we can create that's going to help you get to your goal. Mm. 
that's your niche that's that's what i believe you know those are some of the things that make up what your niche is um and i find that it's 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 so fascinating to me as you're getting into this new role you didn't even know that there was a pandemic like right around the corner (laughs) and and, and it's almost like you were in it just what like a couple of months and then uh covid yeah and it's like surprise (laughs) (laughs) that's it so you you talk about jumping into something is like wow you know that's that's like jumping into the pool and then a title a tidal wave hits you it's just crazy how was that with um with business development like you're supposed to develop business and all business stopped after the pandemic Mm. so um i was very fortunate in that i figured out i i get close to my clients i try to figure out like what is important to them not just on a work basis but basically what's important to them as a person because at the end of the day we're not company a and company b you're cliff you have different interests you have different things that you you are passionate about maybe you're you know you really love your your family and that's the center of your world i'm tonisha i have different things that i'm interested in so it's just a matter of um being able to connect with people on that personal uh level and it was really that relationship that allowed me to hit my targets last year what one secret would you say? And this is like the lightning round right here. What one secret would you share with your younger self at the start of your journey that will get them from that, what we call the pre-niche version of yourself from that point in time to where you are now? Do not try to fit yourself into any box. Mm. Well, the biggest mistake I made when I was younger was saying, well, it has to be this or it has to be that. I found my niche when I sort of let that that concept go and was okay with just being whatever I had to be. So as I, I rejected that idea that I needed to fit into a box, I just st- stuck to jobs where I knew I would be doing something that I loved. Hmm. And then that's when I started to realize I'm really good at this. I'm good, really good at strategy. I'm really good at marketing. And then eventually, like you see, like when I said, there is no traditional or normal route that I took to get here. Eventually, it all merged into the perfect opportunity. um, And it gave me all the skills I needed to excel. Mm, Excellent. Uh, Tell me about uh, what secret is a must have to getting started and staying committed. (laughs) Get your mind right. Um, (laughs) It really is like your your mindset. Um, so like I said, I start off every single day with what is my goal? How do I get there? And once you have that, it's I, I wish you could see my apartment. It's written on my my mirror in the bathroom. It's written on my uh, refrigerator. I have a notebook that's that's up and it has that written on it. It's just a constant reminder everywhere I go that what is my goal and how do I get there? So that's really your must have, keeping that focus. um, And that's what keeps you committed. Because like I said, your goals are non-negotiable. So long as you decide that's what you have to do, then you stick to it. That's what you have to do. And you will, your instincts will find a way to get you there. Mm. 
know, Sir Isaac Newton actually has a quote, and just to give you a little snippet of it, he talks about standing on the shoulders of giants. Um, did you have any mentors along the way that you can say that if not for them, I would not have arisen to this level that I am right now? I had many mentors. Like none of what I've done has been completely um, just, you know, because I'm spectacular. Um, I think it's the opposite. I'm I'm not extraordinary, but I've had extraordinary people around me. Mm. So one mentor um, that I had was the uh, owner of the marketing agency that I, I interned and worked with. And I just, she had the same exact name as me. Um, her name was Tanisha. And um, I just was able to see in her where I wanted to be in my life because she had such a great uh, story and she had that, uh, that constant way of going after what she wanted. So she was a mentor and she basically helped me focus on what I wanted to do next. When I was at the hospital, um, our first director, she had a long history in, in healthcare and I really leaned on her to get insights about what is the most important thing that you know we have to do what's the terminology that we have to learn you know how do we have these conversations so she was a mentor of mine um a classmate of mine uh susie she was uh, a mentor that helped me get to where i am um because she gave me great advice for my my career and the direction that i needed to take so i have been fortunate to have all of these you know incredible women around me that really helped me get to the next level. They don't see where I am. They see where I could be. And they helped me align myself with that vision. Mm. So Nelson Mandela uh, has a quote. He says, there is nothing like returning to a place that remains unchanged to find the ways in which you yourself has all have altered. Um, now in your journey, you're talking to your younger self. Now, what would be different that you would say who I am now is different than who I was back then. What are those distinctions? I'm a lot more focused now. Whereas I was still, when I was younger, I, I still wanted to do everything. That's like when you're a kid and you're like, I'm going to be an astronaut doctor model. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I when I was guy. younger, <laughs> I really wanted to do everything. And at the same time, I wanted to do nothing. I just lacked that structure and that focus. Mm. Now I have a clear direction. I'm, I've been fortunate enough to have positions where I've seen very clearly, this is what I love. This is what I could do without. And all of that has created in my mind, like the vision of, what is right for me, which mm. I love marketing and I love strategy. Mm. What secrets do you have to staying consistent? <laughs> Post-its. <laughs> um, <laughs> everywhere. Um, staying consistent. So I also lean on my friends. I have friends that we have these conversations about what I'm looking for in life and where I want to be. And it's never from the point of view of, oh, woe is me. Oh, this is so terrible. So I, I tell my friends this and I have these conversations with them and it's because they keep me accountable. Mm. So those times when I'm ignoring the, the writing on my refrigerator and my mirror and in my book, um, I'll have a conversation with a friend of mine and they'd say, well, where are you on this? Mm. Well, why haven't you got there? 
like, where's the progress? So um, that's how I stay consistent. I keep people around me that I've made aware of what my goals and, and dreams are. Um, and I've asked them to hold me accountable to getting there. Mm. How frequent should one make time to develop their niche? Well, if you're doing it right, you're developing it like every moment of the day. Um, your niche is not something that you turn off and on. It's not something that goes away after five o'clock. Everything that you're, you're doing should be toward that expectation of where you want to go. Um, and basically maximizing who you are and your strengths. Mm. Last question that I have for you. And this is one of my favorites, actually. Uh, how do you know when it's time to change course? versus staying focused on your goal? I have a problem with that question. <laughs> <laughs> because that's also another another one of those internal struggles. Because on one side, um, I'm very stubborn. <laughs> mm. But on the other side, I'm logical. It's the, it's the worst combination. Um, so for me, what's helped me walk away from things is when I keep doing it and I realize it's just not working. Mm-hmm. I keep trying different routes of getting there and it doesn't work. But that doesn't mean I abandon it completely. That means I need to come back to it at some point. Right. So I don't look at it as walking away from something. I look at it as taking a break from something to try a different, uh, a different approach and a different trajectory and seeing what works. Excellent. Uh, Stanley Huffy actually has a quote in uh, John Maxwell's book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And he basically says that, you know, uh, uh, excellence as a leader, it is the leader that makes the position, not the position that makes the leader. And it just really speaks to um, just your level of growth that you've had. Uh, I know that many things may have not have been all on your it's on your to-do list as far as a goal, but as far as the details, it just kind of worked its way out for you, um, you know, however you want to see it. But I do applaud what you've done with the opportunities that you receive. I mean, as an, as an African-American, um, as a woman, you know, a minority, someone who's sitting in a boardroom and being able to make decisions and have influence. I commend you for that. And not only seizing that opportunity, but but representing it well enough that other people notice it and want you on your team. So, I you know, what's you. amazing. I never I never real like it always confuses me when people say they've noticed X, Y and Z about me. And I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And so you, there's there's a certain there's something about, you know, even when I watch these uh, these Marvel or DC comics, it's like you can always tell a superhero, right? Like you can always it's like, look, look at this person is not built like the average person. You know, if something happens. They're the ones that's going to spring into action. <laughs> you are that superhero. You know, that's you know, what you I'm, are. <laughs> you say that because like the, the people listening may not understand. I'm obsessed with superheroes. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> well, you know, it's, if someone wants to get in contact with you, how do you best connect with people in your current position? What can they, so, how can they reach you? So for my current position, um, my name is actually on our website as uh, the healthcare business director, uh, head of business development. Um, mm-hmm. But on another note, I believe in helping people because I've been helped so much in my life. 
Um, so when people reach out to me on LinkedIn for advice, I'm happy to offer advice, any sort of guidance to pass on the wisdom that has been passed on to me. Mm. Why don't you spell your name for just in case if they want to hit you up on LinkedIn? So it's Tony Shah, T-O-N-I-S-H-A, last name Nichols, N-I-C-H-O-L-L-S. Excellent. And so today we are grateful to have the you know someone of uh, such great value, someone of not only humility, but also strength and someone who's just doing it. It's like she wakes up in the morning and says, all right, well, it's time to win. And she steps into that victory. I'm so Nike. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> just do it. That's it. It's so, and, and you know, it goes right along with a model that we have for Dream Octane, which is, you know, if innovative change is an engine, then your unique dream and ability could be its fuel. If you want to get more information on the things that we're doing here at Dream Octane, you can go on to dreamoctane.org. Here are the latest, greatest things that we have to offer by way of helping you to not only discover your niche, but develop it and deliver it. Um, be on the lookout it is soon to come dream octane the book can't wait for that to drop it feel like i'm giving birth to quadruplets right now but it's uh, i i want an autographed copy (laughs) you'll get it don't (laughs) worry so look to our niche finder community we appreciate you tuning in we love the jerk the fact that many of you have started with us when we were on one platform with Podbeam, and now we're on spotify we're looking to even expand even more but we we we're just starting out just what tanisha was saying we're just starting out we're jumping in we're iterating and we're, we're working out the kinks as we go along so that everything is going to be beautiful you're going to see some some warts and all as you're getting to know us but we we're hoping that we can help you on your journey towards success thank you for tuning in today and we look forward to having you a part of this community again on our very next episode thanks again thank you <laughs>